Kia ora and welcome to the Get Confident podcast with your host Janelle Hosking. Today we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Rachel Bell and she's got an incredible story to share. You will hear in the words of this woman how much heart, soul and passion that she has for the work that she does. Today we are talking about workplace wellness. We're talking about being of service. We're talking about how together as a collective we can make real real change, real impacts in the lives of not only ourselves and our, let's say our co-workers or our friends, but also in the lives of the people that we work with, which is obviously the point. Now, today's got a filter of the social services, the social sector, um, which is just an amazing uh, opportunity to, I guess, be able to see a little bit inside the world of what it's like to be a social worker, which is exactly where Rachel was coming uh, through in this episode and I am just in awe of the work that she does and the work that anybody in the social sector does because my goodness it is it is hard and challenging work and I've really got their work cut out for them and so any way that I can support and, and share um, guidance along the way and also help to spread their message I'm so happy to do that so let's get into the episode I hope you love it please share it with somebody who you know gets some value from today's episode. I'm Janelle Hosking and you beautiful are here to get confident. No more self-doubt, no more overthinking, no more what ifs. I'm helping you grow your confidence so you can live a fulfilled life. Welcome to the show. Rachel, I'm so happy to have you on the Get Confident podcast today. Now we have just heard some insane thunder up in Mamaku where I live and it actually scared the bejeebus out of me. So hopefully that doesn't, you know, interrupt our recording today. And I know that you're down there in Rotorua and you said it hasn't hit you yet and we're, we're not too far away from each other. So either way, this is going to be interesting. Now, I'm not sure if you've done this before, but I always like to start my episodes with a little bit of this or that so that we can get to know each other. Great. If we're talking ice cream flavors, obviously I'm going to give you two options. You just need to choose one of them. That's most like you. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Mm, chocolate all day, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. If we were talking sports, would you be indoor sports or outdoor sports? Oh, um. Outdoor sports, but team sports. Oh, I like. Okay, that's good. Would you class yourself as somebody who is on time or never on time? I intend to be on time. I hate being late and therefore I manifest for myself that I'm always late. Oh, no. How does that work? Because I'm so focused on like, I can't be late. I can't be late. That that's what I just create for myself. So I don't like being late, but I always feel like I'm rushing. Got it. Got it. Okay. I I understand that. And, and also like, I don't know if you're like me, but I fill a day. So from mm. thing to thing to thing, and then you often feel like you're rushing that way as well, which doesn't help. Yeah. If you were, um, you know, for instance, your, your daily to-do list, are you like a written note person or can you just go through digital, either digital notes or just running from your virtual calendar? Oh, I love a good to-do list. I carry a notebook with me everywhere and I'm constantly making notes for myself and writing to-do lists. Yeah. Mm, I love that. A few weeks ago, my partner and I sat down and had a meeting to um, audit our lists 
because we had we have still so many different lists for different things yeah I actually have an app the Microsoft to do app yes and so that's where I keep all my shopping lists so I write it down and then I get to go around the supermarket and tick it off and supposedly you can link it and so my husband has access to them as well but I've noticed he does nothing that ticks off any of the to-dos. So it's pretty much my list. <laughs> yeah, my my partner and I share uh, a calendar and things like that as well. And today I was in the grocery store. I called him before going into the grocery store being like, what do we need? And he tells me. And then I think while I'm going through the supermarket, let's just look at your grocery list, shall we? And everything that was on there was nothing that him and I had just had a conversation about that we need. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just not going to buy any of this because apparently we don't need it. But, you know, it's one of those things. Exactly. Thank you very much for being on the show today. Now, you and I were connected via the local chamber of commerce that we're both members of. um, And it was just a random email saying, hey, you two would get along really well. And literally the first time we met, had coffee, I absolutely loved connecting with you so much so that I, by the way, I, I never do this. That day I was like, you should come on the podcast. Didn't even know what the heck we wanted to talk about. But I was like, I want Rach on the podcast. So to just to get everyone to get to know you a little bit more, why don't you tell us about some of your life, some of your journey that has led you here today? Okay, well, um, and thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. And yeah, I loved um, having coffee with you that day and haven't uh, stopped harassing you since. So um, I'll try and give you the kind of five minute version of my life. Um, So I'm English, as you can probably tell from the accent. And I came traveling to this beautiful country, New Zealand, when I was 21 years old. And I never left, basically. And so I am a social worker by trade. I did my social work qualifications here in Auckland and have worked in social work for 20 something years. Um, Passionate about people, passionate about being of service to people, to my community, um, to being a, making a contribution, I guess. Um, Married to a lovely man called Bob. I have two beautiful children who are now adults and have left home. So, um, I used to say I was an empty nester and then someone said to me the other day, no longer an empty nester, you are a bird launcher. And I quite liked that, that my kids have to take flight and find their own way. And that's what they're doing right now. So yeah, I'm now mother to two dogs and a cat instead. So I'm filling (laughs) the hole with four-legged friends, but yeah. That is wonderful. I'm super curious. I have a couple of um, friends in social work as well. And can you pinpoint what it was that interested you or that made you want to get involved not only in the sector but actually to you know qualify in this industry and this this area of work sure um yeah I mean I think like a lot of people that come into this sort of line of work I had my own personal experiences so as a teenager I found life quite difficult and I had some experiences that I found really challenging. And one of the things that really helped me get through that was having counseling and having a therapeutic supportive relationship. And so my idea was that I wanted to be a counselor and that's often, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but that's often people's journey is that they themselves have been through something. And so they want to contribute back and through doing it professionally themselves. 
So I went to the um, Bachelor of Social Science program at Unitech at the time and counselling and social work were combined for the first year. And then in the second year, you could choose your um, sort of specialism. And what I realised at the end of the first year was that I am not built to be a counsellor. I am way too bossy and opinionated. <laughs> and social work was this dream for me because um, it's a little bit more, uh, for me, social work is about agency, right? It's about being a systems disruptor. It's about being an advocate. It's about enabling people to have agency in their own lives to make change, to be self-determining. Social work in very kind of basic terms, the way that I think of it is that counselling is often about looking back looking at something that has occurred or some history mm. that has a sort of therapeutic resolution required for it and social work is about how do we move forward now to move forward we need to look back we need to know where we've come from we need to know what's impacting us we need to know how things relate to each other but it is about how do we therefore journey forward and how do we make effective change and be the people that we want to be engage in life how we want to engage and so um it really it when I kind of got into social work, I realized that it is my vocation. I can't really feel like I'm ever going to do anything else. And um, I just have a passion for it, passion for the impact it can have on people's lives, but also a real passion for the profession as a whole, that actually we have this amazing opportunity to be invited into people's lives, to mm -hmm. provide some support, maybe some guidance, maybe some insights some reflection and some tools and some strategies to be able to think about things differently and be a change agent, hopefully a cycle breaker, right? Mm, I just think that is fantastic. And to be quite honest with you, up until I met you just a few months ago, I hadn't had that much experience. I guess, like, like I said, I have friends that are in social work, but they um, do some, uh, what's the word? I, I hadn't really had a, a full understanding of what it was that they got to do or that they, you know, get to experience and how they get to help people. And so around the time that I met you, I also started working, doing um, professional development workshops with a, a team of social workers. And literally my mind was just blown and just the, the, the passion and obviously that's person to person you know not everyone is passionate but I feel like the picture that is being painted in my head is that you are not in the social sector if you do not care so deeply about others and about helping them like you know like you said to create positive outcomes or to improve their life in some way shape or form and seeing that passion is incredible no doubt it has its challenges as well, mm -hmm. especially because you can't save everyone and what's best or, you know, what you view as best isn't always one, what the person views as best or two, what the organization you're working for necessarily thinks is best. Did you ever experience anything like that? Oh, absolutely. And I think what what is both a blessing and a curse, I guess, about social work is that you work from micro to macro, right? So you're not just working with the whānau that's in front of you, but you're working with the wider whānau that they're sitting within, the community that they sit within, the system that they sit within, the social policy that's driving the systems mm -hmm. that they sit within. So you're 
working in layers that are complex and institutionalized and ingrained and of course impacted by colonization and there's all this fucker in history that goes mm -hmm. with why this one person is in the circumstance that they're in right now mm. so there's that's a beautiful thing to be able to support that person and hopefully make effective change and provide some opportunities from some different ways of thinking or whatever that might look like but there's also that other layer of kind of it's also exhausting because mm. you're trying to help people work within a system that doesn't serve them you know that there are contract requirements and funding obligations and yeah. restrictions and and agendas and social policy outcomes that are all designed by people who potentially don't live in this community who don't have experience of what it is that they're writing policy about that are making decisions you know, in quote unquote, their ivory towers, you know, somewhere else, mm. and that are being implemented on the ground in real life for these people. So there's that. It's a lovely opportunity. I like I always say, what is social work? We are systems disruptors, right? If the system doesn't work, our job is to disrupt it so that it does, you know, and that can make us really unpopular, <laughs> basically. And it can be really tiring and definitely. I know that I have found moments of being very tired. Um, I think COVID particularly had a massive impact on me and I've been in this community for 20 something years. And there are moments when I look around and I think I've contributed nothing. People mm -hmm. are still having a hard time. People are still that, you know, we have, you know, the second highest rates of family harm outside of South Auckland. We have one of the highest notification rates for Oranga Tamariki in terms of harmed children. You know, we have people who are significantly affected by drug and alcohol use or by um, mental health and our systems don't work. The, you know, all of that sort of stuff, you can kind of get really down a rabbit hole yeah. of feeling like it's all very overwhelming and I am but one person and I can't make a difference. And I think if you let that get too much into your mindset, that almost is a bit paralyzing. Yeah, and it's quite defeatist. Like you're you're stopping yourself before you even have an opportunity to begin, or or before before you've even um, I guess gotten close to the finish line, kind of thing. Like uh, since I've met you, I was sitting at a table with some social workers and um, just literally observing the conversation. I didn't have anything to add because this was all just so new to me, and I was just in awe of these stories that I was hearing. And one woman was saying exactly what you've just said. Like, what is the point I work my ass off I try to help these people and then I met with a closed door you know someone let's say a policymaker. I'm not sure exactly what the scenario was but you know it's whatever the change that needs to come is just not happening and I just I feel so useless and I just want to quit and then this lady said but you can't because you wouldn't be happy doing anything else nothing mm. else fulfills you as much as this does yes this pains you yes this challenges you so much but you are here for a reason. And you know what she said? She said, the work is not done. You mm. cannot leave this industry <laughs> until the work is done. Yeah. And so like you said, you know, there, there's those hard times where you feel like my work isn't making a difference, but you also know at the same time, or I'm confident, you know, at the same time, when you've seen the look on, uh, you know, a, a Fano member's face when they've noticed a light bulb go off and a family member that they thought that they'd lost mentally or you know you you see little glimmers of hope and that's how you know okay 
we're, you know, we're doing a good thing here and, and let's keep going. So I, I know how exhausting that can be. I mean, I'm a coach, like I listen to comp- to people complaining with their, their struggles and challenges every day, but these people, um, I guess they, they have access to me. Right. And so the, the, the thing is as a person who deals with a lot of people's struggles and challenges, it can get really heavy on you. Now, you said you've been doing this for 20-something years and that it was really hard during that COVID time. What did you do throughout that time to, say, take care of yourself or or to rest or to be able to recoup? Yeah, and that's a great question. Um, I think that... So, sorry, I mean, I guess just going back a little bit, you talk about, um, you know, the work is not done. It's that thing where you think I'm constantly trying to do myself out of a job. I My job is to do myself out of a job, to no longer be needed, right? So yes. that's the kind of the mindset, I guess, that I try and come from. Um, I think... I think that's been a really interesting, I'm sorry, I'm pausing on the question because You're actually good. that's a really, really interesting journey for me over the last four years is around what do we need in order to have a strong, sustainable, healthy workforce? Because I think we can ask individually, what did I do? And part of that is around, you know, what support did I get from my family? What did I do for my self-care but I'm really conscious about the fact that self-care is but one component. And mm. actually, I think what really makes for good outcomes in social service, community sector kind of settings is collective care. And actually, how do we look after each other in this journey? And my role, certainly over the last kind of 10 years, has been in management. So mm. supporting the real people who are doing the real job I just get to sit in an office but my responsibility is around how do I know that they've got what they need to be able to do what their work and I kind of have a philosophy around that and some of that is around the the kodawai right the cloak that we have and that when we have a kodawai we have feathers and sort of threads and things that hang on this kodawai and each one is representative of something and I feel like our kaimahi their job is to wrap the kodawai around whanau to every feather is a resource or a tool or an insight or a bit of engagement that enables them to have that strength to be able to be self-determining in their lives and my job as a manager is to wrap that kodawai around my team so do they have the resources and that can be anything from you know during COVID I was literally running around town in you know level four lockdown dropping off phones and laptops to people so that they could have the tools to be able to continue to do their work Mm. it can be making sure that actually I'm ringing everybody every day and checking in and how are you are you okay and not just from a point of view of have you spoken to the whanau that you're supporting but how are you how's Mm. your life Mm. because through COVID you know people in my team their partners lost jobs their you know kids were disengaging with school, you know, power bills and things were going through the roof because now we're all at home and food costs are going up because children aren't getting, you know, free school lunches. Like there's huge impact on our workforce as well as on our community. And so I think thinking about kind of that self-care component, I can look after me, but what's my responsibility to also look after others? And I do think we, I think sometimes, and, you know, 
we talk about sort of the stresses and and burnout is one of those things that does occur and absolutely was something that ended up occurring to me as a result of some of these pressures but when we think about burnout one of the first responses to that is people kind of say oh well they couldn't hack it they weren't <sighs> managing their self-care they they you know it just and it becomes a very individualized thing and so I don't yeah. like to kind of talk about burnout from my experience because there's a stigma to it and it kind of makes me feel like I wasn't strong enough and I should have been able to do things differently mm. but what I recognized in that journey was actually that within that to enable you know some of my team and some of my some of my teams in the past have gone through those struggles is actually am I managing their caseload am I providing them proper supervision are they getting external support correctly are they able to do some flexi working do they feel even safe enough to say actually I'm not coping right now mm. because the emotional toll is significant you know we're talking about I mean I come from a child protection background I'm talking about children being hurt all day long mm. Yeah. you know it's naive to think that that doesn't affect me on a deep emotional level that doesn't mean I can't manage it that doesn't mean I can't work effectively but I still need to process it you know it's like every little bit of harm that I'm hearing is a pebble that's sitting in my pockets and eventually it's going to weigh me down if I'm not emptying those pockets so am I providing the right processes for that for people to empty their pockets and not carry that stuff home with them Mm, I think that what you've just shared is absolutely brilliant because when you talk about yourself as a singular of the self-care things, we all know what we need to do. You know, listen to my podcast, you know what you need to do. But the reality is it's not as easy. It's not always easy to actually do them, especially if you're a person who's always thinking about others. And so to be a person whose sole focus is on wrapping that cloak around your team and around the people around you to make sure that, you know, they're, they're being supported, they're being looked after and all those little things are happening is just fantastic. And I was always taught that a good manager was someone who makes sure that their employees have all of the resources they need to do their job well. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I've never really seen a manager articulate that that's what they do or that that's what their job is. Whereas what you've just shared is exactly that by the sounds of it. So, yeah. sorry, I was just going to say it's like that hierarchy triangle, right? And we often put like the CEO at the top and then we filter down, filter down. And along the bottom, we've got our workforce. And then way down the bottom, squashed underneath this triangle are the whānau we serve. And mm. It is a cliche, but I genuinely feel social work is about service. My job is to be of service, right? So actually right at the top are our whānau. They are what we are here for. And then the people who are working with our whānau, our frontline kaimahi, are the most important people in any organization. They are, uh, you know, treasure that we must protect and look after and enable and resource and whatever those words are. And that actually, by the time you get kind of down the line to me in middle management, you know, I'm pretty irrelevant. Like my job is to enable them, mm -hmm. right? That is literally my job. I stand behind, I'm their biggest cheerleader. I'm their biggest support person. Yeah, it's my job to also make sure that we're doing a good job, that we're accountable, that we're responsible, that we have, you know, those things as well, that we're working within safe practice, that we're doing the right you know doing the right things making the mm. right calls that they but that's also just about support right that's just about giving guidance giving insight giving perspective whatever that might be um and and actually 
I think that often we think about things in that sort of up to, upside down space yeah. that we that we think that the people who get paid the most are the most important and actually sorry no offense to the CEOs that I've worked for but like actually then they're not the most important people in the building they're just not the most important people are the people that come through our front door and ask for help and and that's what we're there for absolutely and I mean you can't serve them if you yourself aren't at your best or aren't taking care of yourself and the this time you mentioned earlier around COVID and how you know it 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 was it was a lot for I want to say all of us you know and it's crazy to think that we're now almost at the end of 2023 it's been a long time that every I guess since people initially started being affected or impacted by you know lockdowns and such but I also think it's something that not a lot of us have have dealt with or realized that we need to and you know you've mentioned burnout I feel like I definitely had burnout I know clients and and friends and just just people in general who have whether they've been able to identify with it or not um who have absolutely had signs or had full-blown burnout was that something that you had you identified with yeah so I would say um and I don't like to kind of you know COVID becomes a catch-all for all problems right it's like oh COVID you know but but definitely you know of course I mean that had a a huge impact on everybody Mm -hmm. and I think we will see the consequences of that for years to come Mm -hmm. um you know I think about all these babies that spent the first year of their life um not being able to see people's faces because everyone's wearing a mask and you know we know that kind of facial you know recognition and all that sort of stuff but um but for me in my journey I think what was really interesting is yeah I definitely started to experience some burnout and absolutely I was in denial about that Wow, absolutely so I and I can look back now and reflect and say that um I can see what it was how it was manifesting for me but I definitely didn't want to sort of really grasp the nettle and confront it at that time Mm. and I think a big part of that is because social work is a big part of my identity Mm. my job is a part of my identity you know so when people say you know what do you do it's like I am a social worker it's something that I embody it is the ethics I live by it's my code of practice it's the way I see the world I think it's not just a job it is a vocation so it's very intrinsically linked with my sense of identity and my sense of purpose Mm. so when I started to feel a bit burnt out basically I think I just thought oh I'm a bit stuck in this job I'm not feeling very fulfilled in this job I'm feeling a bit kind of unhappy and so I thought I'll just change jobs and what I found is that kind of over a two-year period, um, I I had about three or four jobs that I moved through very quickly, not being able to settle. And and on part of me was kind of like, I've become really value-based. I only want to work somewhere where I really feel fulfilled and valued and able to contribute and make a contribution and blah, blah, blah. And I think that was my rhetoric that I was internalizing and justifying I guess some of my behaviors but when Mm. I look back now I realize that actually I was really looking for something that I was never going to find in just another job because I was looking for you know that piece of my soul that was missing right that bit of me that was a little bit broken and I didn't know how to put it back together again Mm. and going and getting another job particularly a job in this sector where you're still being asked to give a piece of you you know it takes you personally this job you know Mm -hmm. it is tiring and it's emotional and 
And of course, the other side of that, it's fulfilling and it's purposeful and, you know, all of that mixed together. But what I didn't realize was that, um, was that I was broken. And, you know, I had lost pieces of me. And I think when you go through that process of being a bit burnt out, those pieces don't come back. It's not like you can rebuild them. You just learn how to put yourself back together again, but you're different, right? Mm-hmm. I will forever be impacted from that journey. So it actually got to a point where I left, the last job that I left, I left and I um, I was off work for four months. I actually mm-hmm. couldn't. I I couldn't face working and I was having a massive kind of crisis I guess because then it was like well what do I do with my life what's my identity Mm -hmm. I was you know kind of like I'm going to go off and you know I need to go and kind of find yourself yeah but Mm. like work elephant sanctuary in Thailand or something you know I needed to kind of completely reinvent myself you know more than just find myself I needed to become something different in Mm. my mind and um, and that was really hard. And there were a few days when my husband came home and he was like, you haven't got out of your pajamas. Do I need to be worried at this point? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and we kind of had a deal, you know, that like he was allowed to reflect that to me. And and it was an interesting space as well, because I'm a big relationships person. I believe social work is about relationships. And I believe that you know, we work best when we are, you know, it's a cliche, but kind of, I say, you know, social work is working socially, right? It is about Mm. actually how we work with other people in order to be able to have the best impact. Mm. What I found was that, you know, so I was used to kind of having lots of catch-ups with people and going out for coffee and connecting with people and being that busy networker in my, you know, career life. And when I stopped being employed, there weren't that many people who were that interested in hanging out with me. And it was really, that was a really interesting process for me, particularly at a time when I was kind of having that self doubt and feeling like I'd done nothing with 20 years of my life and it was all pointless and, you know, all that kind of negative self-talk that can hit us when we're feeling a bit low. Mm -hmm. I kind of really realized that a lot of relationships are just really transactional And the minute that I stopped having a role, stopped having, you know, a job title, stopped Mm. having influence, you know, like people didn't want to catch up with me because I'd be able to take their referral or because we had, you know, or I'd be able to help them get a job or whatever it is that kind of was that transactional nature that people stopped kind of wanting to catch up with me. Not everybody, obviously, like my friends, but there was a definite falling away of people who I would naturally you know, kind of connect with. And Mm. that was a very interesting space because I thought, here's me in this moment, actually struggling, you know, if I'm honest, struggling, not quite knowing which way is up, certainly not knowing how I'm going to find my way through this. And my community, in terms of my social work community, who I would have thought potentially are the most attuned to this, kind of fell away from me in Mm. that space. And I'm, and that's not, I'm not saying that from a point of view of kind of blame or, or any kind of guilt, but it was just an interesting process for me to reflect on. And that's when I kind of was really developing this thinking around collective care that actually, you know, we, when people are experiencing burnout, they do get very isolated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you talked about our self-care, you know, I know that for mental health and mental well-being, you know, 
socializing is important getting out in nature is important exercise is important you know eating well is important not drinking alcohol is important you know like all of those things are what help us feel better but they're not the things that we feel like doing Mm -hmm. you know so it can be really hard to when you're in that space to motivate yourself to do the things that you know (laughs) are going to help but actually you just don't want to do and so anyway I guess through this journey what I realized is that there are some key components of our social sector community sector that for me weren't weren't strong I guess Mm -hmm. and so I thought how can I make a contribution to strengthening our social sector again what can I do to help contribute because if I'm feeling like this and I would say most people who know me think of me as pretty robust I've been around for a long time you know I'm like got all those tools at my fingertips Mm. if I'm feeling like this then I know that there's going to be others who are feeling like this too so what could I do in order to maybe provide some opportunities to come back to us as a community around how do we connect with each other how do we support Mm. how do we share space how do we actually because the biggest impact for me around COVID in the social sector was we became very isolated you know we stopped networking with each other we you know stopped having you know shared trainings or whatever you know you just didn't get you just didn't come together in groups anymore you didn't meet face to face anymore and we became very isolated and but also we had huge growth within our social services because we had a huge increase in needs. We had a huge increase in population. So we had our social service sort of kaimahi increasing, growing, but not knowing each other, not connecting. And we mm. became quite, quite siloed in our agencies. So, yeah, so I guess that's where that's what's brought me to where I am now is thinking about how do we actually come back together and be able to uplift each other? How do we celebrate each other? How do we actually kind of say, actually, you're doing a really good job and it's hard out there and we're in this together and we've got your back and all those things that I wish somebody maybe had said to me at a time mm. when I really needed it. Mm. Okay. And oh, you are so good at answering these questions. You just go and go and go. And I'm <laughs> like, I've got so many things. Oh my goodness. I don't be sorry. Oh my gosh. I love how you identified, you know, if, if I'm experiencing this, surely I'm not the only one and surely this can help support somebody else. I believe that is an epic, um, awareness to have that can create a beautiful next step, you know, and, and obviously it has for you. It also did for me. I was stressed out to the max in my job and one day I had this thought of I would rather be this stressed out working for myself you know and then we make amazing things out of that and so you, you know you talked about being able to to help and support people and to be that encouraging voice and you have gone and made something amazing out of that time off that you had. And I think it's really interesting that we do, we rip on ourselves and we think that we're failures and we think that there's something wrong with us for this literal blip in time where we took a fucking break. There is nothing wrong with it. 
right? But we do, we feel useless, especially if our identities are tied up into it. And so that's something to have awareness of. But you had these four months off, you spent lots of pajama time. Honestly, that sounds like a dream. (laughs) I want to go do that. (laughs) And you had your amazing husband, Bob, supporting you and, you know, being a, a loving partner there for you throughout that time. And what for you came from it professionally? Because obviously right now you're not, you're not working full time again. Well, I guess you are, but for yourself. Yeah, well, exactly. I think, um, I think what came out of it was a few little ideas, a little, a few little kind of things that I wanted to try or people suggested. And I guess I had moved into that kind of, um, just do it kind of space, Mm. like just give something a go. So people often, you know, we have ideas and we talk about stuff and then I was like, I'm just going to put myself out there and try something. So the first thing that we um, tried was we had a little book club. So we thought, actually, why not create a space where we take a book that is relevant to our work and relevant to our thinking and our practice Mm -hmm. and share space with other practitioners to talk about this as a theory right so with the first book that we did we started with something not too complicated we um we started with what happened to you which is written by dr bruce perry and oprah winfrey incredible book yeah but but also very accessible book it's an easy read you know but it's really you know it's talking about trauma and it's talking about how we frame things around And I guess it was very applicable to me because when thinking about this experience of mine in terms of burnout or in terms of feeling a bit overwhelmed, it's not, that didn't have to become my identity. Mm -hmm. That didn't have to be, that wasn't me. Mm -hmm. That was just something that happened to me, right? And so that concept around, instead of sort of saying what's wrong with you, it's what happened to you because actually it's your experience and therefore it's how you internalize your experience and what that and what you make it mean right and, and so it was a kind of a great book to sort of start with and start that conversation and it was just lovely to share space with a whole group of people different backgrounds not all social workers and um, and it was yeah just a lovely time to be able to talk about a practice issue to come together to be to connect to share with like-minded people and just to have a chat and Mm. share coffee and some nice food you know and sort of so that's where it kind of started let's just hang out let's just be people who want to share space with each other and prop each other up Mm. and from that I then got an idea I was a bit reckless now in hindsight where I thought, you know what, actually, I'd love to have a day where we can just celebrate people. I want people to feel like they're really valued and they're really appreciated. And I think often we do a lot of work and it's been really tough for people. And I'd love to give a kind of community pat on the back and say, you guys are awesome. You work really hard and you need to have a day to be celebrated. So I thought, let's have a conference. Let's have a day that's about inspiring speakers and informative workshops and really yummy food and great networking where we can all come together and say we all contribute to this community in our own way, in our own space and be celebrated, right? And say, actually, you're doing a bloody good job when it's really hard. And so, and so we thought we'd put together a conference, which, you know, 
was way more work than I thought. I was oh. like, yeah, we'll just have a conference. Um, but, you know, so that was kind of how the ball started rolling was how can I maybe uplift, right? Mm. How can we uplift a workforce again? How can we reconnect as a community? And also how can we strengthen some of the parts of our practice within our organizations that perhaps not intentionally, but do get overlooked. I know that when social workers are busy, the first thing to go is supervision. And the second thing to go is training. And third thing to go is networking. And all of these things that actually are really key to good practice Mm. and healthy practitioners and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of those things. And so, yeah, so I kind of came up with these concepts around workforce wellness, optimizing organizations and connected communities, which I quite like because they all, you know, are a literate, you know, yeah. W-O-O and C-C. Yes. But, you know, I amuse myself, but, um, <laughs> but they are kind of actually the layers again. And I think coming back to that micro macro thing, it's like, we can talk about the individual worker or the workforce, but actually they sit within an organization that has to have a healthy culture that has to feel robust in how it's doing service delivery, that has to have values and ethics that are upheld, that policies that support, you know, all of that stuff. And then within that, those organizations exist within a community. No organization does one thing. You know, any organization that thinks that they are the be all and end all and no one ever needs to go anywhere else is naive because actually Mm. we all work together. We all have strengths and gifts and opportunities to provide. And actually the strength is in the whole, not on the individual parts, right? So actually how do we connect as a community you know, we have so much knowledge and experience and talent and creative people that we, how do we tap into that and bring that all together? So Mm. that's kind of where I'm at. It sounds to me like what you're also doing is you're removing that mindset or that behavior of being transactional. I hope. You know, you're, you're bringing people together and it's, so much more than what can I get from you or what can you give me it's hey what can we do for each other and how can we help one another and you know it's really strengthening those those communities and those connections and um you know obviously I don't know every single industry but the work that the social sector does and the the things you you see and and you know experience and um the support you give to the people who have experienced them firsthand is huge on on any person and so to have someone or an organization whose mission is solely to support you and doing that do and ensuring that you can do that and that you feel not only well equipped in that but you feel um supported on that journey is just incredible and so when you and I first met at the end of that conversation you'd invited me to be one of your speakers at said conference which is now coming up in a couple of weeks time and so why don't you tell us a little bit about what's planned for the conference by the way I didn't know there was going to be great food looking forward to that (laughs) well I'm hoping there will be but yeah (laughs) I'm such a foodie (laughs) yeah tell us a little bit about the day because I know that um you know you've still got a few a few spaces left and obviously it is open to anybody to come along who wants to feel empowered uplifted and supported exactly and I think that's absolutely right um 
some people have come to me and said, oh, do you have to be a social worker to attend? And absolutely, no, of course you don't. I think it's really relevant for anyone who works with people, essentially. Mm, and, mm. and we are just all people. And I think part of it is around humanizing that a little bit. It's not about the job that you hold. It's about who you are as a person. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's, I'm really looking forward to the conference. Friday, the 24th of November. I really hope there's going to be lovely food. Um, it's interesting because as we sort of organize some of the workshops, one person came to me and they said so what do you want me to do the workshop on you know what would you like the topic to be about mm -hmm. and my response was I have no idea mm -hmm. but I'll tell you how I want people to feel mm -hmm. and then you can go from there and that's been my main focus and I think that plays into that whole kind of social work thing as well because people don't remember what you did people remember how you made them feel mm -hmm. and so for me my image I have in mind is that I would love people to come along and just feel seen, you know, feel like this is a day where we can be nourished and nurtured and inspired and connected. Um, we, you know, we're going to start the day with our keynote speaker, Hannah Tapiata, who is a great speaker, um, very much talks around Mato Rangamari um, has some really great indigenous knowledge. And, you know, so I want to start the day with this kind of really inspiring outlook on how we actually work with people, how we understand people, what that actually means in terms of our responsibilities and whatever that might look like for us as practitioners. I mean, obviously I'm English. I'm very mindful that I'm Manuhiri in this country, but I have a responsibility to Tititi. I have a responsibility in, in how I engage as a human with other humans, right? Mm. So I want to start the day with this kind of hopefully sort of inspiring, uplifting kind of guest um, speaker. And then we, yeah, we break out into these workshops and there's going to be a variety of different workshops um, around leadership, around um, understanding who we are as practitioners. But again, it's not kind of social work heavy. It's very much around that inspiring who am I as a person and how does this mm. apply to my practice? After that, we've got these things called lightning talks, which are five minutes, maximum 10 slides. So we've got 10 people doing um, lightning talks. It's like that bite size. Here's a bit of information. Here's a new initiative. Here's something that I offer. Or this is my perspective on something rapid fire kind of presentations. And um, then we get to have some lunch and we get to network. So um, we have a concept called the human library. And really the human library is about as you would borrow a book from the library and gain knowledge from its pages, how to can we borrow that knowledge from each other? You know, what knowledge is stored within you as, as you know, pages of a book kind of mm. thing. I'm anyway. not explaining that very well, but it's, <laughs> it, it's that kind of, yeah, that resources that we have available because I'm not just the job that I hold now. I have 20 something years experience in the social services. And before that, I also have a whole lot of other life experience and, mm -hmm. you know, me as a person. So what can I maybe support you with or contribute to your journey? That's not just me in this job. And I think that's that whole transactional thing, but actually it's not transactional. It's much more deeper than that. And then, yep, more workshops. And then we finish the day with um, Mercia Yates, who's going to do um, our kind of closing speak and, I just want, yeah, as I say, I just want people to feel like it's been a day where they've got something for their kitty of knowledge, something mm -hmm. to think about, maybe connected with people that they've heard of or know a name or they've never met. And 
really feel like actually I'm doing a good job and I've got enough kind of filled my cup to be able to go out and face another day. And so, yeah, it's just a celebration of our community, really. Amazing. And what a cool conference to have and then also a cool conference to have here in Rotorua. Um, So thank you very much for having this crazy idea and yeah. just trusting it and just going for it. You know, who knows? No doubt you've already thought into the future, but this is most likely going to be something that you can continue to do every year and it just grows and grows and grows. You know, I've seen conferences that start with a hundred people and then end up having a thousand, two thousand people and people pre-booking a year in advance because they love it that much. You know, the 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 opportunities really are endless as long as you're following your joy and doing something that lights you up, which I know that you're doing as well. And my talk is going to be going from imposter to career confident in 60 minutes. So that's a fun journey and everything you've just been sharing and it has been a really good reminder about, you know, the way we want people to feel on this day. And I know that the people or the lovely ladies who have been listening to this episode are feeling that way right now because of what you've shared. So thank you so much for creating the conference, for connecting with me and for coming on the show today. It's been great to have you. Well, well, thank you so much for inviting me. And yeah, I just want to say, I mean, I'm super excited about your workshop because I think that, um, you know, imposter syndrome is something that we all experience. And I think especially people can often be quite surprised. They're like, oh, how do you doubt yourself? You come across as being confident or whatever, but actually we are just human mm-hmm. and we kind of have that self-doubt and that self kind of negative self-talk or we're a little bit worried. And I think what you have to offer in that space to be able to shift that mindset and shift that shift that internal rhetoric, um, I'm super excited. So I'm really grateful that you're coming along to conference. Um yeah. And so thank you for agreeing to be part of it because, yeah, I'm very blessed. Of course. I'm so happy to help. Okay. Check out the link in the description below so you can go and find out more information about the conference happening in November in Rotorua, the 24th of November. It is People Conference. I love that name. I love you, Rachel. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you.